Chapter Ten of the Zeitgeist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Zeitgeist by Lily Dugall. Chapter Ten. When men have visions, the impression left upon their minds is that light from the unseen world of light has in some way broken through into the sphere of their cognizance. The race in its ages of reflection has upon the whole come to the conclusion that that which actually takes place is the gradual growth and the sudden breaking forth of light within the mysterious depths of the man himself. A new explanation of a fact does not do away with the fact. Toyner was not dead. He was stunned. His head was badly injured. When his consciousness returned, and through what process of inflammation and fever his wounded head went in the struggle of nature toward recovery, was never clearly known. His body, bound with the soft torn cloths to the upright tree, sagged more and more until it found a rest upon the inclined log the fresh sweet air from pine woods the cool vapors from the water beneath him were nurses of wise and delicate touch the sun arose and shone warmly yet not hotly through the air in which dry haze was thickening the dead tree stood in the calm water keeping silence as it were a hundred stalwart guards with fingers at their lips lest any sound should disturb the life that with beneficent patience was little by little restoring the wounded body from within even the little vulgar puffing market-boat that twice a day passed the windings of the old river channel the only disturber of solitude was kept at so great a distance by this guard of silent trees that no perception of her passing and all the life and perplexity of which she must remind him entered into toyner's half-closed avenues of sense for two days the sun rose on Bart through the mellow, smoke-dimmed atmosphere. Each night it lay in a red cloud for an hour in the west, tinging and dyeing all the mirror below the trees with red. No one was there in the desolate lake to see the twice-told glory of that rosy flood and firmament, unless it was this wondrous light that first penetrated the eyes of the prisoner with soothing brightness. It was at some hour of light sunset or sunrise or it might have been in the blending of the mornings and the evenings in that confusion of mind which takes no heed of time that toyner first began to know himself then it was not of himself that he took knowledge his heart in its waking felt after something else around and beneath and above him everywhere something that meant light and comfort and rest and love something that was very strong that was strength he himself bart toyner was part of this strength and rested in it with a rest and refreshing which is impossible to weakness however much it may crave it came to him as he lay there not knowing the where or when of his knowledge it came to him that he had made a great mistake as a little child makes a mistake in laughable ignorance indeed he laughed within himself as he thought what a strange childish grotesque notion he had had he had thought 
he had actually thought that god was only a part of things that he bart toyner could turn away from god that god's power was not only with him when he supposed himself to be obedient to him yes he had thought this but now he knew that god was all and in all there came to him trooping with this new joy of knowledge the sensuous sight and sound and smell of many things that he had known but had not understood before all the springtimes through which he had walked unconscious of their meaning came to him there was a sound in his ears of delicate flowers springing to light through dewy moss of buds bursting and he saw the glancing of myriad tiny leaves upon the gray old trees with precisely the same sense of sweetness came the vision of days when autumn rain was falling and the red and sere leaf the nut the pine cone and the flower seed were dropping into the cold wet earth was life in the spring and death in the autumn was the power and love of god not resting in the damp fallen things that lay rotting in the ground there came before him a troop of the little children of fentown all the rosy-cheeked faces and laughing eyes and lithe little dancing forms that he had ever taken the trouble to notice and anne and christa came and stood with them christa with her dancing finery with her beautiful thoughtless unemotional face her yellow hair and soft white hands and anne a thousand times more beautiful to him with her sun-brown tints and hazel eyes so full of energy and forethought her dark neat hair and working dress and hardened hands this was beauty over against it he saw markham blear-eyed unkempt and dirty and his own father a gaunt idiotic wreck of respectable manhood and his mother faded worn and peevish with them stood the hunchbacked baker of fentown and all the coarse and ugly sons of toil that frequented its wharfs there was not a child or a maiden among those he saw first who did not owe their life to one of these with the children and the maidens there were pleasure and hope with the older men and women there were effort and failure sin and despair the life that was in all of them was it partly of god and partly of themselves he laughed again at the question the life that was in them all was all of god every impulse every act the energy that thrilled them through by which they acted if only as brutes act by which they spoke if only to lie by which they thought and felt even when thought and feeling were false and bad the energy which upheld them was all of god that devil too that he saw standing close by and whispering to them his form was dim and fading he was not sure whether he was a reality or a thought but if he had life was it his own somewhere he could not remember where or when he had heard the voice of truth saying thou couldst have no power against me except it were given thee from above the strange complexity of dreams which seems so foolish brings them nearer to reality than we suppose for there is nothing real which is not manifold meanings before this vision of his townspeople faded bart saw anne slowly walk over from the group in which she had risen to be a queen to that group whose members were worn with disappointment and age as she went he saw her perfectly as he had never seen her before the hard shallow thoughts that were 
woven in with her unremitting effort to do always the thing that she had set herself to do and he saw too a nature that was beneath this outer range of activity a small trembling fountain of feeling suppressed and shut from the light in some strange way as she stood having grown older by transition from one group to the other he saw that this inner fountain of strength was increasing and overflowing all that other part which had before made up almost the entire personality of the woman this change did not take place visibly in the other people among whom she stood it was in anne he saw the change he felt very glad he had seen this he seemed to think of nothing else for a long time he forgot then all the detail of that which he had seen and thought and it seemed to him that he spent a long time just rejoicing in the divine life by which all things were and by which they had changed growing by transformation into a glory which was still indistinct to him too far off to be seen in any way except that its light came as the light comes from stars which we say we see and have never really seen at all through this joy and light the details of life began to show again the two forces which he had always supposed had moulded his life acted as early scenes over again his young mother before the shadow of despair had come over her was seen waiting upon all his boyish footsteps with cheerful love and patience trying to guide and to help but trying much more to comfort and to please and his father with a strong body and the strength of fixed opinion and formed habits having no desire for his son except to train and form him as he himself was trained and formed was seen darkening all the boy's happiness with unreasonable severity which hardened and sharpened with the opposition of years into selfish cruelty toyner had often seen these scenes before all that was new to him now was that they stood in the vivid light of a new interpretation ah the father's cruelty the irritable self-love the incapacity to recognize any form of life but his own it was of god not a high manifestation the bat is lower than the bird and yet it is of god bart saw now the one great opportunity of life he saw that the whole of the universe goes to develop character in the one chief heavenly food set within reach of the growing character for its nourishment is the opportunity to embrace malice with love to gather in its arms of patience convert its shame into glory by willing endurance had he bart toyner then really been given the power in that beginning of life to put out his hand and take this fruit which would have given him such great strength and stature or had he only had strength just for what he had done and nothing more the answer seemed to come to him from all that he had read of the growth of things he looked into the forests into the life of the creatures that now lived in them he saw the fish in the rivers and the birds in the air everywhere now roots were feeling under the dark ground for just the food that was needed and the birds flew open-mouthed and the fishes darted here and there and the squirrels hoarded their nuts everywhere in the past the growth of ages had been bringing together these creatures and their food by slowly developing in them new powers to assimilate new foods 
what then of those that pined and dwindled when the organism was not quite strong enough and the old food was taken away ah well they fell fell as a sparrow's fall not one of them without god and what of man rising through ages from beast to sainthood rising from the mere dominion of physical law which works out its own obedience into the moral region where a perpetual choice is ordained of god and the consequences of each choice ordained was not the lower choice often inevitable who could tell when or where except god himself and the higher choice the only food by which character can grow so men must often fall fall to what end to pass into that boundless gulf of distant light into which everything is passing passing straight by the assimilation of its proper food circuitously by weakness and failure but still coming growing reaching out into infinite light for all is of god and god is love all toyner's thought and sense seemed to lose hold again of everything but that first realization of the surrounding glory and joy and strength and the feeling that he himself had to rest for a little while before any new thing was given him to do his body lay back upon the gray lifeless branch wrapped in the ragged soiled garment that markham had put upon him the silence of night came again over the water and the gray dead trees and nature went on steadily and quietly with her work of healing end of chapter ten recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida